0: Hi, and welcome to the Tom VoiceOver Podcast. My name is Tom Jordan, and I am a professional, award-winning audiobook narrator. Each week, I come out with another book for you to listen to uh, that I've narrated, and this week, we're going to talk about Head Like a Hole by Andrew Van Way. I do have free codes for this book, by the way, and I'll give you information on how to get those at the end of this podcast. I narrated this back in... November and December of 2022. Before we dive into that, though, I know that many of you listening might be interested in voice acting, voiceover, or audiobook narration in particular. If you are interested, then I encourage you to do these three simple things. Number one, subscribe or follow this podcast, because not only will I be talking about the audiobooks I've narrated, but I also explore what it takes to be a voice actor in general. And two, head on over to TomVoiceOver.com. I consult on the business side of audiobook narration, not the performance side, but I have sessions available where you and I can talk about what it takes to become a voice actor, and if voice acting might be right for you. Also, if you're already a voice actor, I can give you the lowdown on what it takes to be an audiobook narrator. Finally, I have another podcast with really quick three-minute or less episodes called Tom Voiceover Quick VO Tips. Here, I take all of the audio from the over 500 TikTok videos that I've got, and I created a podcast that will help you understand what it takes to get into voiceover, or, if you're a voiceover artist, help you understand a little bit more about what it takes to be an audiobook narrator. Again, the name of the other podcast is Tom Voiceover Quick VO Tips. Okay, on with the rest of the episode. Here's the blurb from the book, and you'll have to excuse me, I have a slight cold, so... I shouldn't be narrating. And I'm not. I'm doing a podcast right now. It's the mid-90s. Grunge and flannel are fading as the Spice Girls and Hot Topic conquer the malls. Cherry gloss glistens on the lips of the youth. Modems hiss as America comes online. And in a fog-drenched cove at the edge of New England, something terrible awakens when a fisherman reels in a gruesome catch, the remains of a young woman remains still pulsing, with furious life. For Megan Monroe and her friends, this is how their nightmare begins. A wet whisper over their shoulder, a dark hand reaching out from the edge of their sight, and a name clawing at the back of their minds. A young woman scratched from their memory. To stop this devouring terror, Megan will need to mend broken friendships and reassemble her fractured past. From what stalks them hungers to remake itself in their image, peace by bloody peace, Dig into the haunted past with Head Like a Hole, a novel of malignant secrets, shattered friendships, and twisted bodily horror. And yeah, Andrew creates characters that are believable, that evolve through the story or devolve, depending on their state of bodily being. And just uh, his world building again, I use that word um, in almost every story now because there is uh, there's something to be said for how he creates the world in which you are launched when you are listening to this book or reading it. So I have a bunch of voices in my head, for a lack of better way of putting it, that as a narrator, you, uh, you've got this assembly of actors, uh, voices from which to choose. Um, and then you can create new ones as well as a combination of those or something else. A lot of times what narrators do is they will think of an actor that they like. Let's say, for instance, um, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, John Jimmy Stewart talks like this. Benji, I'm your grandpa. Now, now, listen here. Mary, you put that bathrobe back on. OK, so you take that. And then you morph it into something that doesn't sound like Jimmy Stewart so that people aren't pointing at that character and saying, hey, that's Jimmy Stewart. But it might sound like, um, like another character. And that's what I did for this book with a couple of the characters. So you know, instead of walking like, totally like Jimmy Stewart, he talks like this. And he, and he has a little bit more of that a breathiness to him, but a little Jimmy Stewart in the background as well. And that's how I morph characters from one to the other. I also brought up um, the same voice that I used in The Unkind Hours uh, of The Stranger. And he he sounds like this. And you get that voice. That voice has been used in quite a few, uh, including uh, By the Light of Dead Stars, by the way. A little background information on that. Yeah, uh, what are you talking about? Get over there and do what you need to do. That one which uh, incidentally is not easy to do with a cold and an already irritated throat then there's my voice which is the narrator voice which sounds like this that you're listening to right now sans cold or is it sans anyway point being um and then uh, and that one usually carries over to the main character of the book as well although not always in this case the detective's voice um was just a little bit lower than mine he was supposed to be taller I think, than I am. I'm 6'2", but the way the book described him, he was. Um, he had a deeper voice, so I did that. I, I gave it just a little bit more of a deeper register for Graham's voice. As far as prepping goes, and people ask me, how do you prep for a book? You read it all the way through, and as you read, you take notes. Um, I do a scan first, by the way, um, whether it's a PDF or a Word doc uh, in which the manuscript is, is presented to me, and I'll do a scan for the word accent, um, or dialect, or both, to see how many times that pops up, and I'll immediately go to those characters, and I'll see what kind of an accent I'll need, because there's no sense of waiting until I read the entire book before I find out that somebody needed an accent or something like that, while in the meantime, when I'm not reading, I could be doing research on how to do that particular accent if, they're, uh, if that's needed. Sometimes, as we've spoken about in previous episodes, it's not necessary to to give a character the full-blown accent. You can give it a, what I consider a dusting of an accent to give the idea that somebody's from a certain location or um, a certain ethnicity or what, what have you. So that's, that's something else. Um, in this case, the character of Oksana um, was supposed to be of Russian-Ukrainian background. And so I did my best to present that. And I'm going to give you guys a clip of her voice To give you an idea of what that sounded like. Um, Again, not a real serious Russian accent, but something similar to that. And then I'm also going to play for you in just a minute here, chapter four, the entire chapter from Head Like a Hole. In the retail sample, you heard the first four minutes, I believe. This time you're going to be able to hear beyond that. And I'm going to give you the whole thing. Um, It's about six minutes and 40 seconds long. And then again, at the end, I'm going to give you information on how to get a free code to listen to Head Like a Hole um, and review it if you wish. So here's a clip of Oksana so you get a feel for how she sounds. Again, just uh, more or less a dusting of a Russian-slash-Ukrainian accent. Hello, Desiree, Oksana said. She bent down and ran a warm finger along Desi's trembling leg. Ah, how I've missed you. Desi felt a door against her back, the coat closet. At some point she'd scooted all the way down the hall, and her bladder, she could feel it beginning to boil. Desi, look at me. Desi bit her lips, willing herself to meet Oksana's eyes. There was a tenderness in them, a glow from her skin as if every pore promised soft kisses. There we go, dear. Her hand slid up Desi's arm and lifted her chin. Desi whimpered. I'm so sorry. I never meant to hurt you. Of course you didn't, I know. Oksana whispered, her voice breeze like and as sweet as a peach. But you didn't stop it. The tears were coming now, dripping down Desi's cheeks, warm, perhaps a little too hot. She choked out a question. Will it hurt? When Oksana smiled, there was no end to her teeth. Terribly. So accents are a blast. And they can be frustrating at times as a narrator, voice actor in general. Um, but. Again, there are um, accent coaches out there, dialect coaches, who can help you through anything that you need um, if you hire them. If it comes to a point where you don't feel as though you've got the accent down enough, then you can hire somebody to help you absolutely nail it. And without any further ado, here is Chapter 4 from Head Like a Hole. Chapter 4. Autumn 1996 Crab season ended a few weeks ago, but Lewis Harding didn't care. He had a good spot in the cove and a dozen pots to check. He knew the game warden slept in on the weekend. As the motorboat sputtered out of the harbor and up the coast, the might of the Atlantic reminded Lewis that he was alone. The sea spray and gray waves, those rocky shores to his left, the rare sail on the horizon. Yes. He was glad to be by himself. New England was becoming crowded these days. The New Yorkers encroached from the southwest, and the Beantown crowd spread down from the northeast. Even a trip to the supermarket was a chore, cars all jostling for spots, foreign products on the shelves and pretentious coffee shops sprouting up. There was talk of a Starbucks moving in, and that really set him off something else. What kind of idiot pays two bucks for a coffee? The same that would pay double for crabs at the farmer's market as long as he writes locally sourced on their shells. Rich idiots, he thought. That's who. So he'd woken up at four, stopped by the Dunkin' Donuts for some bear claws and some black coffee at 79 cents. He sipped from his thermos, guiding the motorboat northeast hoping the ocean was generous. It turned out it wasn't. The first pot was near empty, just a few juvenile crabs. The ones that followed were even worse. Hoisting the empty frame into the boat, Lewis took a moment to study his placement. He'd been coming to Bresden Bay for 30-odd years. He knew the water's secrets. There were the triplets, three sea stacks a half mile offshore and covered in bird shit. There was the rocky arch, known to the locals as the eye of the needle. Lewis had even threaded it a few times when he'd gotten sauced and a little too cocky. And up ahead of the bow was his favorite cove, the gray sea funneling to turquoise eddies where caves dotted the headlands like ravenous mouths. There he would find his remaining crab pots full. He was sure of it. But he didn't. By the sixth pot, he was certain of one of two things. Some other fisherman had found a secret spot or someone had emptied his pots. Either way, he was pissed and caffeinated and properly cold. With each wet rope and empty pot, a new curse flew past his lips. Then came the last pot, and he told himself this was the good one. He felt resistance as he hoisted it up. When the cage neared the surface, he smiled. It was teeming with crabs. Dozens of legs and claws and shells all rolling and crawling over each other. His lucky day. Until he emptied the pot. On any other morning the scream that left his lips would have embarrassed him, both in its intensity and pitch. He was a man, damn it, A New England man and a fisherman, too. He wasn't supposed to shriek and scamper off to the far side of the boat. But Lewis's heart was racing his eyes scouring the pile of crabs all turning and sliding and clacking over each other. Because of that thing underneath. He told himself it was just some pale rubber, maybe a silver net of some sort all tangled against it, or a doll. Those silver-gray clumps, they couldn't be hair. Could they? Slowly, carefully, he inched his way back to the mound of scattering crabs. Damn, had he really leapt all that way? Yes, because you know what you saw, a little part of him whispered. Your mind understands what you're still trying to deny. There, beneath a mound of crabs, was a woman. Well, part of her, just a head and some pieces of ruined torso, skin patchy and mottled with sand. With shaking hands he gripped the gaff using the hook to brush crabs from the corpse. He was scared of touching her flesh, worried he might mark it or defile it. The whole thing looked gelatinous and tender. He knew he'd have to involve the police. They'd ask questions like, why are you out here and what are you doing? There'd be no way to avoid the fact that he was crabbing off-season. Last he checked, the fine was a few hundred bucks. Hell, he didn't have that in his checking account and today's haul wouldn't even cover the table fee at the farmer's market. Especially if people learned what his crabs had been eating. Another brush with a gaff and the crabs fell away. He sighed, studying the remains of this woman, something hurting deep in his heart. A mat of gray hair concealed her face. Her chin glistened. Mealy skin and sallow cheeks made her age impossible to determine. And the piece of her torso, if it could be called that at all, was an odd bulb beneath her neck. An oblong stump of sealed flesh where barnacles and algae clung to her skin, little forests of life growing from death. Something struck him as odd about that stump. A memory of childhood action figures he'd pulled apart. The little knots where a figure's neck joined a body, allowing articulation and movement. Christ, he wasn't looking at a person, but a mannequin of some sort. Some head with a bulbous neck that fit into a body, posable perhaps, and draped in the latest fashion. Hell, she probably came from a damn mall. Chuckling to himself, Lewis reached out with the gaff and brushed the last crab from her face. Its claw snatched at her hair, peeling back that silver mat like rotten curtains, revealing a mud-freckled face, pale and wet and quivering with life. The woman opened her right eye. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this episode talking about Head Like a Hole by Andrew Van Way. If you'd like a free code, where you can get a free audiobook from Audible for Head Like a Whole, send me an email, tomvoiceover at gmail.com. That's tomvoiceover at gmail.com. And say in the headline, in the uh, subject line, say Head Like a Whole, so I know what you're looking for. And uh, I will get you uh, a code back. Now, if it turns out that I run out of codes, which is entirely possible since this podcast is going to be up for a while, I will uh, I'll send you a code for another one of my books. Thank you for joining me and we'll see you next time on the Tom voiceover podcast.